What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Captain's Quarters, the Star Trek Rewatch podcast, where we are rewatching the entire Star Trek franchise starting at the beginning of the timeline, starting with Star Trek Enterprise. Today we're talking about Star Trek Enterprise Season 2, Episode 22, which is production code 222, called Cogenitor. My name's Gabe. I'm with Jason. Make it so, Jason. Jolan True, buddy. How are you? Fantastic. <clears throat> this episode written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, which always which is always exciting. Mm-hmm. Directed by none other than LeVar Burton. Akutakite? Nope. Well yeah, but you know. <laughs> Jordy LaForge? Jordy LaForge. The host of Reading Rainbow? <laughs> Jason, this episode is one of the highest rated episodes of this series no doubt um there's no doubt in my mind that that's not true yeah dominic keating who plays uh, lieutenant malcolm reed commented that i always say the best episode we ever did was cogenitor hey mm-hmm. am i saying that right cogenitor yeah 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 okay. yeah yeah no yeah you got it yeah and there's all kinds of lists out there that list this as one of the best ones no doubt about it this is so um for all of us Trekkies out there, um, this is the, the you know this is an example of the moral play set in the future on a distant planet. No doubt about it. This is this is Star Trek at its best. <clears throat> so in this episode, and, and and it is and it is my favorite episode, and I and I say that a lot while we've been doing this uh, podcast, but this is right at the top, and it's by far. And it's not even close. I hear you. By a country mile. I hear you. I can see why. I have some major issues with this episode, and we can get into that in a second. Yeah, for sure. So the plot the plot is that the Enterprise is exploring a hypergiant star. Some beautiful imagery coming off of this star. They encounter a starship that appears to be coming from the star, which is they're kind of blown away by that. They make first contact with this species called Vissians. And these Vissians are happy explorers. They're friendly. Um, they intermingle with them. Uh, they, they, like I said, they consider themselves explorers. They are willing to take Archer onto one of their ships that's capable of exploring this star and they're super advanced all of their machinery and and starships are crazy advanced um archer gets to fly one of them they they fly near the star there's this beautiful imagery um oh so on on the note of like favorite episode to me this is the best looking episode by far that we've seen in this series like they did a wonderful job like I just the, the thrill of Archer and the uh, uh, the Vissian captain, you know, um, flying basically like a layer down in the star. And there's all these like flares coming up and they're flying around them. And um, their their ship is able to withstand this heat, obviously. And um, they're just, the Enterprise crew is learning all kinds of advancements from them. Tucker's able to learn um, 
more about their their treatment of antimatter and uh, just all kinds of stuff. And um, Reed <clears throat> and Reed is introduced to uh, photonic weaponry, which uh, the, the Enterprise uses currently uses spatial torpedoes. And this is uh, one of those Star Trek nuggets. Uh, this is the first time in the series that we get to hear photonic, uh, which would mean photon torpedoes. Interesting. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, and so the um the uh the scene the tactical officer is romantically interested in reed and he has yeah. a little fling with her and she's very uh forward with her interest in him and did you pick up on the innuendo uh well, it's with customary the... to show you mine yeah. while i yeah. show you it was pretty overt buddy I, i'm not that <laughs> thick i'm pretty thick but i got it yeah <laughs> I, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> it was not addressed to you. This was a general, you know. No, I liked it. It was great, and and also, you know, it's interesting that Dominic Keating said this is his favorite episode when he spends the entire thing, you know, sure, romantically uh, inter intertwined with to his, uh, uh, to Seven of Nine's mom, basically. <laughs> so the actress who plays Velo uh, plays. Um, Annika Hansen's mom in Star Trek Voyager later on, but oh okay, la- oh <laughs> later, in, you know in the, in the timeline later on, but right, you know. I hear you. On on that <clears throat> note, the Vicean, um captain was played by Andreas Katsulis, who also yes. um, was in a previous Star Trek. Uh, very famously, and that's part of the reason why I greeted everyone in a Romulan uh, greeting, Jolan True, because he played a Romulan commander named Tomalak. So, and he's well known for that one, that his role as Tomalak in The Next Generation. And I recognize him <laughs> as the one-armed man from The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's also true, yes. <laughs> And unfortunately, I think um, I think he I think uh, Andreas Katsulas uh, passes away a year, maybe two after this episode. I think this may have been his last uh, appearance on uh, on Star Trek. <clears throat> oh, okay. <clears throat> but anyways. well, yeah. So again beautiful episode the imagery with the star but also the vicean ships are beautiful and highly advanced and clean and just and also but also the their demeanor towards enterprise is is um sort of welcome it's you know they've had run-ins with less friendly aliens these people are awesome they're um they're very interested in trying the human food. Uh, they 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 talk about their food. They prepare some of their food for Tucker. Their food is very based on on the aroma. They prefer like very aromatic foods, and um, it seems like they've like achieved utopia. Kind of this alien species. Uh, that is until Tucker meets the cogenitor which is a third gender in vician biology and so basically uh three percent 
of the Visians is this third gender, gender, neither male nor female. <clears throat> and <clears throat> the way that Visians um, procreate is this cogenitor supplies some kind of enzyme to a couple, and then that couple does something else, and then uh, they have a baby. And flocks, uh, flocks um, volunteers, or he offers to like show uh, Tucker some videotapes of how it works, and Tucker cuts him off. He's like, no, 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 it's okay. I don't, I don't want to know. Type thing. Um, so the thing is, there's because only three percent of the population are these uh, cogenitors. They are obviously rare. And so a couple has to kind of wait. They're kind of on a waiting list to, for their turn to, to procreate. And the, the other component is that they, these cogenitors are treated as mentally deficient and there's huge uh, inequality in, in their rights. They're not considered c- citizens they don't get education. Um, they're just treated as a, a lower class. And so while we're, you know, experiencing all of these utopian uh, components of uh, Visian uh, society, Tucker discovers some of this stuff about the cogenitor. He works with flocks to determine that this cogenitor actually has the exact same mental capacity as the other genders and you know they they don't they call it um the cogenitor it they don't call them they or then they say it it would be they today but yeah right and they don't even give them names yeah and so um it's alarming and it gets worse and worse as as uh, tucker investigates you can tell Tucker's very concerned, and so Tucker starts to sort of push the envelope, and he like starts sneaking um, and meeting, sneaking <clears throat> past these uh, Visian hosts, and he starts meeting with the cogenitor, and he's like basically telling them, "Hey, you know, like, um, do you want to learn to read? Do you want to have a name?" Um, just kind of like showing them them. to music. Yeah. And movies. Movies. Yeah. Shows them the movie, the day the earth stood still, which has themes of like ignorance towards aliens and stuff like that. Yes. Um, and so, um, the one thing about all Visians, any gender, they read very, very fast. They're able to learn fast so at one point archer had shared shakespeare with uh the visian um captain and he read like all of shakespeare in one night and then he was um working his way through was it sophocles yeah mm -hmm. yep exactly um and so this cogenitor having the same mental capacity is basically learns to read almost instantly from Tucker and then just ex- starts to expand um, f- from like a self-esteem standpoint exponentially as well throughout the episode. And by the end, she, uh, they are just like, I said she because it's played by a woman, but um, 
Right. And and yeah. and you know, she the the character does have more as you would say female characteristic, you know, female look. And Captain Archer and T'Pol even uh refer to that them as a she, but mm-hmm. it is a they. Yeah, well they tried their best with makeup and stuff, but it's played by Becky Wallstrom, a, yeah. a woman, so yeah um, but but it's it's they it is and um <clears throat> i should say and, they are <laughs> yeah yeah and and so by the end they are they are interested in learning more and reading and taking on a name they decide on the name charles to sort of honor tucker uh trip tucker's real name is actually charles mm-hmm. um and so and tucker is um you know he he can sense the injustice and he's trying to like you know he's not confronting the 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 Vissians about it he's just like hanging out with charles and teaching them things that uh, charles wouldn't be able to learn uh, otherwise cuz i mean uh they're literally confined to their quarters um otherwise if tucker hadn't sort of intruded and and just and took took them onto the Enterprise to show them the movie and uh, gave them a tour of of the Enterprise, showed them all kinds of stuff that they had never experienced. Um, even though they live on a starship, they they hadn't experienced all these like, you know, he takes them to like the engine room and stuff and the, well, the transporter. Well, they're they're, um, they're confined to a room in the quarters and aren't really even let out um they they only eat once a day and they're only let out on like good behavior into the rest of the into this into the vician stateroom um Mm -hmm. i would have said quarters but this was basically a huge you know almost a one level home the vician mm-hmm. and that's why i call it a stateroom because it's massive so yeah they're only exactly. allowed out on good behavior so they are exactly. treated as a very second even tertiary subservient lower class group of people right they're and almost they're almost not people in a way treat treated as not people yeah they're <clears throat> yeah exactly and you know Tucker shows Charles the the transporter and they like didn't know what a transporter was. It's like I gotta imagine these Vissians, they have so much advanced tech. They have to have transport technology. Oh, I'm sure the and Vissians so, do. Yeah, just to sort of uh, give an example of how sheltered they are from the rest of it. Yep. Um so so anyway, um the the Vissians, they're so entrenched in this uh, would you call it a caste system absolutely yeah they're so entrenched in this caste system that like they're so they're like put off by tucker's he'll ask like just a simple question about the cogenerator and they're kind of like why are you asking about it yeah like like as if he's asking about their pet or something you know right and they're they're confused by his fixation and eventually they find out what Tucker's been up to 
and it causes a diplomatic crisis. Yes. To, to Paul's kind of like, you may have ruined this first contact. Like, you don't understand what a big deal this is. Like, if this had happened between humans and Vulcans, we wouldn't even be standing here right now. Um, everyone is super alarmed. Um, and then Archer, he's... They had gathered all this data um, when they're scanning the star f flying around. And they basically call him back. Archer's like, yeah, we need just, we just, uh, we're done with our little trip. And now we're going to crunch the numbers. And they're like, actually, you need to get back here. So Archer comes back. Archer gets caught up on all this stuff. And Archer takes the side of the Visians. And he tells Tucker, like, you've always been impulsive you shouldn't have done this. And he's like very heavily reprimanding Tucker. And so the captain of the Vissians is, is understanding. And he's, he, he also wants his first contact to go well. So he's like willing to kind of look past it. Um, and so that part seems to be smoothed over a bit, but then at the very end of the episode, Archer got a call from that captain, and he's informed that the cogenitor has um, committed suicide because they they wanted political asylum. They they had they had bought into this the the knowledge that you know there's more to life than this like you know little little corner of society that they've been they've been sort of uh, placed into, and so they want political asylum. Archer has to actually consider it because that's, you know, that, those are the rules. Somebody wants political asylum, you have to actually consider it. He denied it. Um, in the, so, the, so Charles had to go back with the Vissians and when they left, and then Charles later killed themselves. And so here's the part where I said I had major issues with the episode. And so Archer breaks the news to Tucker, and then... Tucker's like, oh my gosh, this is all my fault. And Archer's like kind of explodes him. He's like, you're damn right, it's your fault. And um it doesn't the spe the the episode ends on that note of just Archer just being really angry at Tucker and um <coughs> weighing what the consequences are gonna be. And uh it just kind of ends on that note. And uh, it's a very extremely heavy note to, to end on. So, so that was the episode. <clears throat> and so what was the, what was the, the issue that you had? Okay, well, let me, re let me read um, something. So, um, uh, okay, so... Wikipedia says some of the audience was confused about Archer's apparent complicity with oppression of the cogenitor and subsequent dressing down of Tucker. And so <clears throat> I feel like I'm glad that they said that because um, I felt that too. Like it's completely apparent throughout the episode that Tucker's intentions were virtuous. Absolutely. And it's it's apparent that this 
the treatment of the cogenitor was unjust. Yes. And no question about it. Yeah, you know, there's this whole thing in the show about, like, you know, don't apply human morals to alien species and the whole Correct. Prime, prime directive. And we don't have one yet. Remember. Not yet, but that's where this is heading. Yeah. And, you know, but, you know, like, there's just a lot, there's just so much. Like, okay, so first of all, the way Tucker went about it, he didn't, like come in guns blazing and like um rescue them from the Vissians and like you know do some kind of like i'm gonna break you out of here i'm gonna free you like he didn't do anything like that like he did like sure he gave them choice yeah um which i thought was reasonable he was doing it from a good place yeah and then archer i just thought was just way too heavy-handed and like the, the the biggest, not the biggest, but, like, a big issue I have with Archer's response is, like, how insensitive he was. Because this is someone who Tucker had built a friendship with. And, like, if somebody is even remotely the cause of someone else's death, like, it's really insensitive to, like, say that to them when they're in a moment of grieving. You know, like... Um, I thought that was really inappropriate and insensitive of Archer, but also just disproportionate considering, <clears throat> considering, okay, Archer, um, broke free a bunch of Suliban prisoners. Um, that was a virtuous act. Um, we've had, we've seen other caste systems, um, in this series where, Archer was on the side of of freeing the lower caste. Um, you know, the the human component of this is sort of egalitarianism. Like, it's so entrenched in th- this this Western, um, <laughs> you know, story. Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I trying to say? Western culture, cultural uh, story, right? So yeah, it's an ethos for sure. Yeah, and so it's the Western culture ethos for sure, definitely, definitely. Yeah, like the idea. And I think any compassionate human being would totally have been like, Tucker didn't do anything wrong. He was being Aladdin. He was, you know, he was showing this cogenitor a whole new world. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. I, 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 you know, I don't think that there's any question about that. Um, the only, the only point that I, so I thought about this long and hard because this is why, you know, I love and why a lot of fans love the series and the franchise is because it does pose these tough questions and sometimes a captain has their limits you know, I you know I was thinking back to like last episode, the breach where Archer says, you know, basically <clears throat> says this is an Earth ship. You know, you're gonna you you know, without giving Flocks the order, he says to him, you're going to apply the Hippocratic oath and save mm-hmm. the patient, and that's a very human thing to do. 
mm-hmm. not taking in the denobulan you know patient's and, will first you right. know the patient's wishes first mm-hmm. in this case and i'm not applying it to everything but in this case i'm going to i'm going to side with the captain on this one okay i am I am going to side with the captain on this one. One, this is a first contact. And this is why I think the, the, this is why I think the prime directive is established later on. But one, it is a first contact. And the respect, while you and I, 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 I cannot say how much vehemently I disagree with what the Vissians do to the cogenitors and the role that they have in that society. However, this is a first contact. I can't make that judgment. I want to have more friends in the galaxy. Especially, and this may be selfish, and I think this might have been so... The bromance that Archer has with the Vissian captain may mm-hmm. have played a role. May the technology, their advanced technology, may have played a role in him saying, "No, we're not going to grant your request for asylum." However, not knowing that, this is how you make friends in a big galaxy instead of being alone. One, you respect the culture. You, res- I think. You respect that culture that you're trying to be friends with. I think that's diplomacy at its best and at its core. While you may not agree with everything, but there are things that you can agree on. And I think they have to, and I think Archer was correct on that. He did have to respect their rules, their laws in this case. Second, when, when Tucker says it's not your fault... In any chain of command, Tucker should have known that the actions taken by the crew under any captain falls to the captain's responsibilities. What Trip Tucker did actually is a reflection of Archer, and he and Archer does bear that responsibility. He sits in the center seat of that ship. And he is responsible. So, I think Tucker was out of line. Yes, he was, in this case, not morally wrong, but not morally wrong to judge and to try to open up the cogenitor's eyes to this whole new world. But this was a first contact diplomatic in that in that frame of reference i think he had to have held back a little bit he could have held back and said okay once we establish relationships with these people and establish a federation and establish a federation charter and a prime directive then they can go okay we will not accept a caste society in the federation okay you but that's not till later on we agree on that point so so the idea that 
we're going to work to fix this, but we need to do it diplomatically. Otherwise, bad things are going to happen. Yeah. We you don't that want to risk a war with these people <laughs> based on you disrespecting their cultures, their traditions. Um, right off the bat. That's the only point I wanted to make. And I know it's a long one, but... No, that's fine. I guess... But, but like I said, with Archer has taken previous actions. Like, for instance, I think the episode's called Dear Doctor. Yeah. Where there is a society... There's two societies on one planet. One of them is considered lesser. And they are evolving... The, the quote-unquote lesser group is is out-evolving another one who is afflicted by some um, disease where their, their like cells are breaking down. And Phlox finds a cure. And Archer is in favor of giving the cure to the group who is dying off while um flocks is not and um so that like just i don't know i i think that like archer's being a hypocrite because that that in that case that was tens of millions of lives at stake i mean obviously it was a different situation because choosing one Maintaining the status quo in that case meant that the quote-unquote lesser group was going to stay lesser because you're maintaining the status quo, but but not treating them was going to result in millions and millions of lives lost. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, Phlox won out on that argument because Phlox was on the side of... Uh, he was on the prime directive side yep. of, like, do not interfere. Yep. Um so is it hold on yeah is it is it hypocrisy or is it growth of a younger captain to a more experienced captain now i think you and i can fill in the blanks and say archer learned his lesson but this episode doesn't do that it makes it sound like you know uh in one case archer is willing to further the subjugation of millions of people Yes. And then Tucker does this and it, he's treated like he's about to get like demoted. And I guess I'm just like, I, could have I been, don't think that that's wrong. It could have been more of an explicit, like just acknowledgement of that. Like, Hey, you know, I've done things. Sure. Um, and, and just, it just also because Tucker just lost a friend. And like, you know, like right. part, of, part of the captain's duty, yeah, part of the captain's duty is to not like completely isolate your, your first mate. I don't know. Like, so, I, <laughs> so okay. So I think, so let's put another frame of reference here. Yeah. Yes. Tucker and Archer are friends. There is a chain of command here. And what the captain does is at the captain's discretion. However, acting out of trying to think of what 
you know, Tucker trying to figure out what Archer would have done in that instance. Um, I think that's two different things because Archer is not in command of the Enterprise. I, I think that's the only thing that we <clears throat> disagree here on is that ultimately the responsibility does fall on the on the person with the four pips on his or her uniform. Yeah, no, well, we agree on that. It's just that the the um, way that Archer went about it, you didn't have to be, like, so... I, with such a strong hand. See, I don't think that was... See, that's my point. I think that's the captain talking to an officer, not Archer to his friend. But But still, like... He wasn't just talking to him. I mean, he was like blowing out of proportion, like yeah. as if, as if Tucker like murdered somebody. Was he blowing out of proportion though? I think he was. I just I think given the whole context of the whole show, and the um, egalitarian undertones of of people's philosophy on Enterprise and sure. Archer's own actions, and not to mention just the sensitivity around like Tucker the way like the context of how Tucker did it like if if Tucker had broken into the Vesean ship blasted a door down kidnapped the cogenitor and like stowed them away on the Enterprise and like tried to like you know free them in that way much like Archer did with the Sulaban prisoners I don't think uh, it's the same okay who were who were uh you know prisoners of war of an of a ongoing conflict between two two alien species um if tucker had done that then yes i think he should have been treated the way he what he was but i, I didn't think if tucker, was if tucker would have done that i would have stripped him of his i would have demoted him mm-hmm. put him in the brig and waited till we get to another star base for court martial. Yeah, well, if yeah, if Tucker had gone and gone if that's blazing, the, if that's yeah, the, if that's the way that he, if in your scenario that's the way he would yeah. have done it, it I would have had I, him. I would agree. Court martialed. I would agree for sure. So cause... in this dressing down, mm-hmm. in in Archer's defense, I think the emotions were running high, and. The ability for them to lose diplomatic relations to a species, a new species, that's, I think that's, that's a heavy burden that I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if I were Archer, I wouldn't have done it any differently. Because you're on the cusp of making a new friend. Yes, I, I acknowledge that this new friend does have technological advances that benefits humanity in a large way. And yes, people will say, oh, well, you're only playing it to your benefit. Yeah, well, sometimes I am, right? Sometimes we do have to. But this is, in large part, a friend that we can make. And now, because of what, our, because of what Tucker did, jeopardizes that entire relationship, that, that, one's, that one's a tough one for me to swallow but there's got it there has to be some sort of 
spectrum here. Sure. I mean, just just in contemporary American politics, can you imagine um, a Trump supporter versus a... Maybe that's a bad example. Maybe a better example would be like, what if there was this horrible war criminal? Um, like, let's say, Jason, you all of a sudden were promoted to CEO of your company okay. and you're going to do business with North Korea. Okay. Are you going to choose your company's profits over the war crimes of Kim Jong-un or are you going to refuse the assignment? I would absolutely refuse the assignment. Yeah, so th- there's a spectrum here. So so sure. I, I guess maybe these Vissians are aren't as bad as Kim Jong Un. Maybe that's and then there's some maybe. there's some point when you cross this threshold of yeah. like like oh now now you are I don't care if you're if what you have to offer I'm not going to deal with you. Sure, I, I right. really don't like using real world. And in this case, I really do. I I really do believe, and I think that's why. And I think the lines of friendship, you know, this is a separation of, you know, this is purely, this in Archer's eyes is business. From Tucker's eyes, it's personal. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and those lines in this episode, I totally agree, get blurred, completely get blurred. And I have no problem with the captain being strict to his second in command. I I, I will Paul accept is technically first in command. Or second in command, I'm will, sorry, Tucker's third in command. I will accept that to the extent that you have to say that it's because the Vissians are aren't too far gone. As uh, as Obi Wan would say about if Darth Vader, he he's too far gone. If you're Archer, right, buddy? If you're Archer, mm-hmm. would you risk a war with them just because you're third in command, disrespected one of the planets, one of this cultures, <clears throat> one of these species cultures? Um, I would have said, oh, wow, I didn't know that they were subjugating this sect of their society. I'm no longer going to do business with these people. And I would have said, Tucker, like, the right thing to do would have been to talk to me first. And uh, because we don't want to start a war, we don't know what these people's temperament is when you disrespect their And I their think traditions. that's why Archer was hard on him, because I think Archer expected him to know. I think that's what Archer was expecting, that Tucker would, would, would do is respect the chain of command and not fall out of line. This but one's hard not... for me. I this one's hard for me. This one is. I I don't want to come. I don't want to come off as, you know, uncaring about you know gender identity because this is what this episode totally was about was gender identity, the discrimination, mm-hmm. and the slave indentured servitude you know kind of deal that they have going on. 
Right. But at the same time, while I vehemently disagree with the Visian and the treatment of this cogenitor, mm-hmm. at this point, if I'm, you know, Starfleet, if I'm Archer, unfortunately, I, would, I think I would have to swallow it. I think... Because the influence that you can do, and again, I come back to the the influence that a friend has over another friend, Mm -hmm. once you establish that relationship, is easier to do it. And when the Federation Charter comes in, the Prime Directive, no caste system, then you're, you're either in or you're out. And I think you do it, but that's not until you become the big Federation. You're just... One blue marble and one little ship that could probably be obliterated by this Visian culture if you if you start a war with them or become non-friendly. No, I agree, and I think I think we're saying the same thing. I just think for me that you have to expand on the part, like, well, what is the magnitude of their crimes? Yeah. So so if they had first contact with the species who is like blatantly like engaged in genocide of one group I I don't think it would be appropriate to like um act as if that wasn't a big deal in the moment. No. No. But the Vicians say- were not committing genocide. Right, but they were doing something bad. That's why I'm saying there's a spectrum. So you have there to is. Ass- absolutely. You have to, you have to assess the, absolutely. the magnitude of the crime. Absolutely. But the but the thing is though, is to the cogender, it would feel like that bad. So Sure. Um it would feel just as bad as some regimes would do to um to other groups that they do bad yes. things to. So no question about it. So I so I just I guess I want to ask, like, so were the Visians not because Archer could have stopped communication with the Visians and be like, we're getting out of here and take it off. Sure. They could have they could have tailed it out of there. Sure. Um he didn't do that. He kept in communication with them. Yes. So, so I just want to say like so the so I think you see hope in this corner of Visian society. I do. Like for do. you, there's there's enough hope and enough potential to I solve do. the problem that it's not I worth do. breaking off communication. I do. Where, yes. Whereas if they had encountered some like terrible authoritarian regime that was like killing off some group, you wouldn't use diplomacy with those people, right? You would... No. Hightail no, out of there. No, or... no. Especially where we know Starfleet is with its minuscule... I would call it what, you know, an island nation mm-hmm. right now? With, the, with yeah. the power of an island, you know, a small island nation in the mm-hmm. universe. When you, get, when you may have to worry about the Klingons, where you may have to worry about the Romulans already, and the other unknown species that could be conflictual with you mm-hmm. right off the bat I, I i don't think 
one starship has enough to impose the will of humanity's moral compass just yet. Uh, agreed. And I'm, I definitely wouldn't advocate for them engaging with the Vissians in any way because that would obviously result in the entire Enterprise crew being killed. I'm just sure. saying, like, do these Vissians deserve dip- diplomacy? And it's it's a, an assessment of the magnitude of their crimes. Yes. And and I guess you just have to do math. You say, well, three percent. It feels like genocide, but uh, at least they're not actually killing them. They're just slowly neglecting them to their graves. Uh, but yeah. we think we can fix this down the road. Yeah, I do. Whereas, like, <clears throat> I don't know, like when he encounters the Klingons in the way that they treat um, groups that they conquer, you know, there do- there's no talk of diplomacy there. Right. Not at the moment, no. Right. And it's, in that case, Archer really did stow away um, people who are fleeing from the Klingons. And refused yes. refused to give up um, yes. their position and stuff like that. So, I guess it's it's math. At the end of the day, it's math. It's like how big is the problem? It, it totally is. <laughs> and, and 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 not only is it not only is it math, but presented presented in a way that which is beautiful. Because it applies to real life, too, right? You can say, yes, this is what I am going to do, no matter what. This is my moral compass. This is my moral code. Mm -hmm. But every event like this that we face presents itself the gray area. And it's that little little bit of gray where you're like, oh, the Vissians are great. Except there's this huge huge black spot on their society as all societies have as all societies have exactly so the math is it's a lot basically down to each captain captain Mm -hmm. gabe you know if the enterprise is your ship you may have taken it a different way it seems like you may have gone and said no that's not good enough we're not going to make a new friend here. Yeah. Your your black spot is too big. Yeah. Yeah. And that's totally Yeah, I I I'm not going to disagree with that. Yeah. Okay. Because well. so so I'm going to I leave this one in because I am going to apply it. Okay. So, it's like listening to Richard Wagner. Mm. If you ever get to experience the ring cycle, and I I hope everyone does at some point in their lives because it's beautiful. But the ring cycle, especially the, the, the Battle of the Valkyrie, and a lot of the other imagery in Wagner's... in Wagner's art is co-opted by the square mustache guy. 
who will be unnamed in the 1940s. Mm -hmm. And Wagner himself has been accused of also being anti-Semitic. For a lot of people, Wagner, the man, cannot be separated from Wagner, the work, and the co-option, and his work being co-opted by the guy with the square mustache in the 1940s. Some people can appreciate the work and detest the man and detest the the work and detest that it was co-opted by the guy with the square mustache in Germany in 1940. Some people can't. And it's like a stain on a big... It's like a stain on a painting or a tear in a painting, right? Where some people say, oh, can't love that painting anymore. It's got a big tear in it. Mm -hmm. Some people say, hmm, it's still beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not completely the same, but in a lot of ways, I think there's there's a lot of parallels to that where it's like, okay, the Vissians, that tear in the painting is too big walking away where I can see it. Just detest that part of it and hope to make it better by being a friend and appeal to their good nature and appeal to their, you know, I would have to learn about, I would want to learn about, like, you know, because what happens if you continue to open up the world to cogenitors? And they say, oh, we all are going to be like Charles, and we're all taken off. Do you not then kill off the Vician society without that enzyme? Because we don't know the reproductive way of how they do it. Maybe they could repro- maybe they could reproduce it in a lab, but it it didn't seem like they could. It seemed like they are an essential part of the society, and so maybe the entire Vician people are obliterated because all these cogenitors are now you know, open to the world. And now they can go to Earth, mm-hmm. go explore <laughs> elsewhere. I don't know. It's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, we're speculating. I would, I would speculate that... Oh, it's that, complete speculation. That, every, ...that species have instinct and at the, at the core of it all is to procreate. And the cogenitors are part of that instinct to procreate. And, like, I would think they would want to engage with it they would just want to do so with more rights and uh but this life. one didn't charles didn't um <coughs> but i i see your point maybe enough cogenitors attain enough rights and have to be respected and then you know probably enter into some treaty or agreement with the other two with the other genders of their species Mm -hmm. and say hey we will continue to be a part of it but like a cogenitor union sure 
right? I totally get that. Yeah. Because I don't think Charles was fleeing Charles's role as a procreator. They were fleeing their the way they were being treated. Right. And that's not to say that Charles wouldn't like at some point be like, you know what, I'm ready to procreate. And then go and find a couple. And then help them have a baby. Or they would have, or they would, you know, have a, instead of a pair, it would be a, a try of parents. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, this is a tricky one, man. It totally is. And that's why, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just, whenever there's. Um, cause as, as you said, this is an issue of gender inequality. Yes. Whenever, whenever there's an issue like that, it's like, I always feel super uncomfortable speaking on behalf of a group. Cause I'm not, yeah, I'm, absolutely. I, you know, I identify as he, you know, like, yeah. <clears throat> um, it, you know, born with male reproductive parts and I yeah. have always Id- identified as he, and so I'm not, yeah. I'm not of, I'm not af- affected by these things. But so I, I was looking at some stats and there was like trans people, I think are 10 times more likely to commit suicide. Yeah. And particularly black trans women are like, yeah, it's, it's their, the, um, I think their like average lifespan is like thirty five years old. I, like because yeah, the I rate would of probably suicide expand so it to high. the other to quite a few other people of color as well. Not just you know, but for I, but they, I, they I, are that would per- not surprise me if that stat was fairly true with other yeah. people of color. Mm-hmm. Speaking so. as a person, uh, you know, speaking as two people, you and I of color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I, I mean, couldn't you see it? I I mean, I could see it in my culture for sure of being like, oh. you know, oh, yeah. that that's not incredibly acceptable. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. So yeah, oh, it's, it's hard. It's just to talk ahead. about this stuff. It's just hard because like, you know, we're, we're two males who identify, we identify as males Yep. And we were born with male reproductive parts. So you just have to engage with them and listen to what they have to say yeah. without trying to, like, you know, um, speak for them. or uh, Yeah. And I was never know. trying to speak for the co-genitor. No, I was just, I was speaking to the difficulty in going into this episode. I was like, oh, oh boy, sure. like... Like, do I do a ton of research and then try to, like, accurately convey the plight of gender inequality? Or do we stick to the episode? And, uh, you know, because that's the other thing is it's not really a one-to-one comparison to um, contemporary gender inequality issues. Because, again, it's like, it's just so tricky. Like... I don't consider like a trans woman a third gender. I consider them a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah, absolutely you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And I think that's the. I think that's the. I think that's the science. You know, the science fiction part, the alien part to us, that there is a third gender in this culture. Mm-hmm. 
on this planet and they are being treated as slaves. They, I mean, you know, they are being treated as slaves. Let's not sugarcoat that, you know, let's not dance around that or anything, but they are slaves and it's repugnant what they do. Right. I but, but just, the, but, but then for there are someone, if I were a Vissian, yeah, I would hope that Vissian Gabe and Vissian Jason fight for cogenitor rights. Mm-hmm. But as a human off world, <clears throat> and this is why the, this is why I love this episode because it does pull at you. You're like, it goes against every fiber of my being, and I'm totally with Trip Tucker. I'm totally with Trip Tucker, no question mm-hmm. about it. But at the same time. I'm not sure if we can apply, and if we do, it's got to be done more delicately in this situation. Agreed. I think I have my, like, framework, which is, just like we said, it's like, how big is that black stain, that black spot? Yes. Yes. If it's a blatant war criminal, there's an immediacy to it, too. Are they actively, like you know um like like when they go to that uh planet with no star and there there's those people who are hunting the species that uh archer has an affinity for you know like there's an immediacy there of like we're not going to engage with diplomacy with these people they're they're too bad but you can see with other groups there's hope and you have to make that assessment, and you have to make it pretty quickly. And, yep. And uh, I, th- I think, but there is hope, right? Because they read. Oh yeah. Shakespeare in a day. She, sorry, they learned how to read in a day. Beat Tucker in that chess, Chinese checkers ball um, game thing. I think that was go. Oh, was it? Oh, is it? Okay. I wasn't, I was not sure what that was. That was completely foreign to me. <laughs> but they beat, you know, and I think Tucker, oh, I wanted to mention this. So I think Tucker over-promised that they, that they could help them. Right. The false sense of hope was probably the more damaging thing. Because he said, you know, Tucker says something to the effect of, you know, we'll do what we can. And, you know, try to, you know, get the captain to to grant uh, Charles asylum. And that false hope, I don't think, was helpful. <clears throat> no, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it. It's tr- it is true that that Charles committed suicide because of the chain of events that Tucker set into place. Yeah. But <laughs> it's true. So. So uh two things I wanted to mention. Um I paused the movie list when they're looking at the movies and I noticed yeah. a couple of things. Um What did you notice, buddy? There was a movie called Dixon Hill and the Black Orchid. Mm-hmm. 
that Dixon Hill is Captain Jean-Luc Picard's, one of his favorite characters. Um, Private Eye, Inspector. Oh, okay. From the 1930s, 20s kind of deal. Okay. And there were two, uh, <laughs> there were two movies titled Celestial Navigation and Mr. Willis of Ohio. <laughs> And those are two West Wing episodes. What? So I don't know the <laughs> reference, but I don't know why. But uh, yeah, Celestial Navigation and Mr. Willis of Ohio are two West Wing. I'm a, and I'm a West Wing fan, so I immediately was like, I know "Whoa!" You are. I know you are. And there may have been another uh, reference, but I, I, yeah, I mean, there might have been other references, but those were the yeah, ones that I was. I'll tell you, per Wikipedia, it was The Bride of Chaotica, which refers to the holodeck adventures of characters from other Star Trek series. Oh, Captain Proton! Is it Captain Proton? Yeah. Tom Paris's Voyager? Tom Paris's Captain Proton. Okay. I missed that one. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I didn't remember that one. I don't understand what that's talking about. What do you mean? What is what is Captain? What what is that? So Captain Proton is another one of those fictional superhero, kind of like a Buck Rogers kind of deal in space. And on Star Trek Voyager, Tom Paris, um, you know, plays, you know, reenacts those stories as Captain Proton. And that's probably one of the stories that that he and Harry Kim, uh, you know, play out in a holodeck simulation. I see. Later okay. on Voyager. So. Interesting. That's a cool reference. I love that. <clears throat> Someday I'm going to compile a... I know this is sort of separate, but I, I want to compile a list of all of the movies that they watch and i want to watch them like i've never seen the day the earth stood still okay it's a good movie it's a good movie i was like oh that's a that's an appropriate movie to pick for this episode i just want to i just want to say so the discussion that we've had for the last hour or so Mm -hmm. has been fun and this is why i love this franchise is because they go there yeah star trek goes there yeah right sure and we can have discussions about it, and it's cool because it's... And this is amazing. This was what... What year was this? You know, and they were talking about gender identity and... 2003. Yeah, so 2003. I don't want to say, ooh, you know, this is not to be braggadocious or anything, but I think it's cool. I just want to point that out. I think it's cool that they talked about gender identity back then i think it's easy for us to say with a 2021 lens oh that's every day kind of thing now yes today it is but back in 2003 i don't remember too many um programs talking about it And, and, and yes it was only one episode but you know that's what makes you know that's what made this episode my favorite totally 100 percent agree back in 2003 I could not have told you the first thing about gender equality issues. Nope. But it's because of listening to other people's stories. A lot of it via Twitter, you know, that's one great thing about the democratization of a lot of communication 
that social media has is that we can like learn about these things and hopefully maybe someday fix some of them. Yeah. But, hopefully. but like, yeah, back in 2003, I could not, I wouldn't have even believed it was an issue. Yeah. You know, and yet, and it's not until you hear and see other people's uh, stories and, and like listen to their pain that you get it, you know? So, yeah. And so it is pretty amazing that back then um, that they were, um, that, that they touched on that. It's pretty cool. Very timely, too. I mean, this is a hot Totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, I, as you mentioned, you know, you and I come from a place of privilege and I couldn't even imagine, you know, it disgusts me on a human level to see the cogenitor um, subjugated to that kind mm-hmm. of treatment. Yeah. But as an off-worlder, as a human, you know, to a Vissian, I'm not sure if we can... I, I would be incredibly cautious of dictating to an advanced species or any alien say nah you're going to you know follow my moral compass yeah i hear you. i don't know it's a tough one i hear you and you're right because at some point if you did that every time at some point you would get obliterated yeah we'd be pretty alone (laughs) (laughs) no i mean like you would literally get blown to pieces sure sure so um all right well that was a good one that's a great episode that was the perfect star trek episode yeah absolutely in in my 48 episode journey so speaking as somewhat of a noob as always yeah so this will this episode now that i've watched it i've actually watched it twice because it's so good this is like it shoot it rockets up to like you know one of the episodes that I will come back to over and over again like just over and over and over again yeah and to pick someone like LeVar Burton to direct I mean I couldn't have that that poof right that is such a an ideal choice to direct this episode yeah, I have to say this. I feel like this is the first episode where I I would like go back and watch it, um, just for pure enjoyment, not not for research. So right, yeah, because it kind of had everything. So well, um, what else? You've been watching any of the new Star Trek stuff that's coming out? I have not had a chance. Yeah, no, I've not had a chance to watch uh, Prodigy. I want to watch Prodigy. I want to watch the recent episodes of Lower Decks, and uh, I've gotten in Discovery. I want to give it. A, I want to give Discovery a chance. So, I've watched. I've started to watch the first couple of seasons of Discovery, but recently I haven't. Unfortunately, I hear you. I've still been going through my Clone Wars binge. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it's been great. I love season two. It's been awesome. How far are you into season two? 
Uh, almost done. I'm I'm on like one of the last episodes. Okay. So, what do you think so far? It's great. It's um. There's just a lot a lot to it. It's uh. Just. I like the the arcs that last multiple episodes. I'm just big on that. I didn't feel like there was much of that in season one. I mean, we're aware of the large arcs because we've seen the movies for decades right. and we we know what the arc is, but, you know, um, it's becoming one of those shows where you have to pay attention and you have to watch them sequentially to know what's going on, and I like that, so... I'm going to keep it up. To, right, right now, that's my main show, is Star Wars uh, Clone okay, Wars. Okay, cool. I, I did watch a little bit. I watched uh, three or four of the Star Wars Visions, the the anime. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Studio yeah, ones. yeah, I haven't, yeah, I haven't. Some how, of them, and how are they? Some of them I thought were pretty good. Some of them I hated. Um, I, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm such a lore-centric person. I didn't think they uh. added... They added much to the lore. They're much more about the aesthetic of it. Um, okay. Which is which is fine. Um, but, it, you know, I don't know if I'll finish that that little series. Okay. There's too much other stuff to watch. Although, so I, so I did notice, though, that Disney Plus has a playlist of, like, essential Clone Wars episodes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, man, if I get down to it, like, let's say... I don't know if it'll have impact on the Boba Fett series coming up, but I'm like, man, maybe I should just watch the essential episodes. You know, it's a pretty significant list. It's like 10 to 15, oh, wow. 20, okay. 20 episodes yeah, okay. of like, wow. I think it's like for people who want to get ready for the other ex- expanded stuff, sure, you know, the sure, shows sure, that are coming out. Sure, sure. So I may be switching to that list and skipping ahead um, soon here. So I'll let you know how it okay. goes. Okay. But. Uh one thing of note I just wanted to mention um since we were last on uh in the in the quarters um Camille Saviola passed away. So the she played Kyle Paca on Deep Space 9 and uh to uh Camille Saviola, Kyle Paca, wherever you are, I hope you continue to walk with the prophets. So Well said, buddy. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, not that I can think of. What about you? No. Yeah. It's a great time to be a nerd, man. We could go totally. on and on about stuff. So <laughs> it's uh, it's good times. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, please follow us on all the things and subscribe to us and all the things. And until next time, live long and prosper. May the force be with you. See ya.